Hello all, I am Stephen and I am Jana. And we're the Wagos and we are addicted to anime here on Mega Powers Radio. Um, this is the first edition of Addicted to Anime and we're going to be reviewing Dangan Rampa. Um, it is a well, the animation to be specific because it's also originated from a video game and has had a manga. Hmm. Um, as far as um, anime news that we've got this evening, there's barely any other than one interesting note that Toonami um, has announced its December block, and it has got four movies that are scheduled. On uh, the 7th, we've got Akira, which is a rather controversial anime, um, which I'm excited to see, as it's one that Mike Payden of Mega Powers Radio suggested to me. Uh, Summer Wars on the 14th, that is directed by uh, Mamoru Hosada, it's a modern classic, and it's something that Toonami's had its eye on for a while. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist, The Conqueror of Shambhala, which both me and Jana have seen probably two months ago, right? Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> Mike Payton, wooing that he got a shout-out on the show. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, The Conqueror of Shambhala, that is a very interesting movie if you watch the original Full Metal Alchemist series. Though, in my eyes, I'd recommend Brotherhood before you... Watch the original. I liked both. I just liked Brotherhood more. Yeah, it stuck to, uh, traditionally more to the manga, so it was a lot better. It was nice to have closure with the Conqueror of Shambhala for the first film. Yeah, I hate it when an anime series leaves you on a bit of a cliffhanger, which yeah. is actually the case of the series we're reviewing today. It, yeah. But uh, we'll get into that as and when. And Trigon Badland Rumble, which is on the 28th, which Jana is more familiar with than I am. Yes, I enjoy Trigon. I never got to finish watching it, though. So if you're an anime fan, you've got a whole block over on Toonami in December, and it should be a lot of fun. But to get more on topic with today's um, uh, series, we're going to be doing top five anime villains. Um, everyone who's familiar with Danganronpa will be familiar with Monokuma, who is the main focus of this series. Um, Basically, what Danganronpa sets is a tone where several high school students are trapped in, well, a high school and basically forced to kill each other to escape. Um, so with Monokuma being the main focus of the series um, as a villain, we're going to talk about our top five villains. For me, my first one is Shotoka from Full Metal Alchemist. Shotoka is not a major villain, and nor did he have much time on the actual series itself. However, he is probably one of the more twisted individuals I've seen in any anime, to the point where he spliced his own wife and a dog together to keep his job with the military as an alchemist, and then did the same again with his daughter. Yeah, uh, that's enough to break anyone's heart watching that anime. I think people with the strongest wills will just break down and weep. Yeah, and it just gets <laughs> even worse when you've got this half-little five-year-old, half-dog spliced together going, It hurts, brother. Oh. <laughs> So that is probably one of the most fucked up villains I've ever seen, and probably one of the ones I've had more hate for than any others. So, who's uh, who's the first person you're listing off on your uh, top five anime? Mine honestly isn't in any form of order, uh, but one that stuck out to me wasn't necessarily a concrete villain, but somebody that definitely was not a good guy was Mariko, or number 35, from Elf and Lead. Um, she wasn't very big. She was a very tiny little girl, very young, maybe seven years old. But uh, she had way more vectors, which are these invisible appendages that come out of your body, and she can use them to kill people, slice them up into little bits. And she was so small and evil, but at the same time innocent. And it was just such a weird combination that she stuck out to me. 
I forgot what they're actually called, like their disease, what has infected them to become like that way. I don't remember, it's been so long we watched it. But it's like as soon as they hit a certain age, they become twisted and just kill everything around them. And Mariko is probably one of the most evil little bitches I've ever seen. Yeah. Yet has such a sweet closing moment before she finally gets blown up with her dad. Yep. So it's actually kind of hard to hate her, and she's definitely one of the most unique villains. Mm-hmm. Number four on my, on my list is probably Frieza from Dragon Ball Z. Um, probably not the most well-written villain, but he was that thorn in your side, and he was so irritable throughout the whole Namek saga. Um, it started off with him being introduced as this uh, slimy little prick that could, every time you thought you had one up on him, he would just transform into something more catastrophic, more evil, and really introduced a new side of Goku, which we'd never seen before, to the point where he turned Super Saiyan for the first time, which at the time was something real special. Right now it's fucking Super Saiyan free for all, where everyone can transform into it a million times. But back then it was a real special moment for me as a kid, and that's why Freezer makes my top five anime villains. Uh, basically, around the same idea Stee has here is uh, when he's talking about childhood and that one villain that just stuck with you, even if they weren't that big of a deal. I had one of those, too, and that was uh, Zoisite from Sailor Moon. Uh, whether you watched the dub or the sub would depend if you saw Zoisite as a male or a female. They, uh, <laughs> She had a relationship with... Uh, Another another villain from the series, if you watch the uh, Japanese, it's Kunzite. I can't, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. And if you watch the English, it's Malachite. Malachite is a man, and uh, apparently Deke thought that it would be absolutely the end of the world if they kept Zoisite a man having a relationship with another man. So they basically turned, turned him into a her. Of course, I was very young at the time, so all I was watching was dubs, so it was a female. But at the time, that was the only female villain out of the cast. And as a little girl, I suppose I latched on to that. Also, the fact that she was ruthless enough to kill one of her own kind of stuck to me. And she did it in such spite, and she did, did it in front of this other guy's lover and everything, his human lover, which he was actually turning against the uh, evil side and going toward the good side, uh, Nephlite and... She just murdered him in cold blood really slowly and horribly in front of Molly, his lover. So it was definitely, it stuck with me. And, you know, she's always had a soft spot spot in my my little list over the years. And as we get on in our uh, top five villains and more about Dangon Romper this evening, you can call in at 760-512-7247, as I forgot to mention that. Again, 760-512-7247. Uh, 7247 or when you're looking on the little blog talk window you'll see the Skype logo if you click on that you can give us a call via that Um, and moving on on my top five villains is Shin Natsume from Tenjo Tenge and when Jennifer saw that I put Shin Natsume on my list she was actually a bit surprised thinking how is he a villain well Shin Natsume is one of these rare characters where he started off as someone who You really grew attached to, and he seemed like the nicest guy in the world, but slowly he had this power called um, the Ryugan, or the Dragon's Eye, that warped his mind to the point where he was that overprotective of his little sister that he became murderous, um, killing his own family, killing his own friends, and really just warping into a messed up individual before the eventual conclusion of his life took place. Um, so that's why Shin Natsume definitely makes my top five villain lists. One, I think he's just a badass, and two, it was just interesting watching the transformation of him. 
Um, next on my list, if you're done with that one, mm -hmm. would be, uh, like I said, again, not in any particular order, but um, Light from Death Note, I believe uh, this might be a repeat for the night, but uh, Light just... It's different because he's the protagonist of the entire thing. And, you know, he didn't start off as a villain at all. He started off as a guy trying to do the right thing, but it just did not end that way. He got so drunk with power and drunk with idealism that he just completely lost it. And he went from only killing, only killing murderers and people that have done wrong to killing FBI agents and anyone else that stood in his way. I mean, he even contemplated killing his own sister just to get rid of evidence. So I think that he just got so drunk with power that he just slowly over time turned into a sick, twisted, very messed up villain. And that actually makes my number two list. Um, it's also like Yagami. Um, I always related to him, was rooting for him throughout the whole series. Um, he was a guy that stumbled upon the Death Note one day when he was just cursing out the world for being <laughs> so rotten and horrible. And ended up stumbling across the Death Note's power by mistake and entering into a whole world of mass murder. And basically, he got to play God. And he saw himself as this entity, as this God of the new world that could change it. He, was, he truly believed he was the only one that had the intelligence to pull it off. And where he had sanity and logic, it started being replaced by idealism as opposed to what his initial motives were. So Light Yagami is probably one of the most interesting villains where you kind of feel messed up for relating to him and getting attached to him, but at the same time, you understand where he's coming from. So he definitely makes my number two on the list. Um, so who have you got for number two? Uh, there was Father, who was Dwarf in the Flask from Full Metal Alchemist. He was from Brotherhood, not from the original. Um, there was just, he went so far back so completely far back, way before Edward was ever born. And he basically got this whole ball rolling. He was the one that started the homunculi, and not just that, but he was the one that basically gave Edward's father freedom, as his father used to be a slave and things like that. And he started off by planting these little seeds in, in um, Edward's father's head about freedom and about all types of other things. And you think that he might actually be a good character until... One day, basically, he kills absolutely everybody except for Edward's father. And he thinks he's doing him a favor. Oh, I set you free. But all these people that his father cared about are just gone now. And the the man is just so... He started off as this little tiny floating ball in a flask, and he became such an important figurehead. He started from so low and becoming so high on the... He was such an interesting character, too, because yeah. he, he didn't stem from wanting to be evil. He stemmed from wanting more knowledge. Yeah, he's and all about And with knowledge. all that knowledge, he just became really messed up. I mean, he when he passed through the gate of truth, it was just a really interesting plot turn. And after watching the original Full Metal Alchemist, it came out of nowhere for me. Yeah. And I really enjoyed Dwarf in a Glass. So Dwarf in a Flask, yeah. He, he's... Whatever, it was a freaking jar. It was like a vase. <laughs> what the fuck they're on about? Yeah. That isn't a flask. I don't know. But I enjoyed him a lot, and I would watch. I could watch him over and over and over again and not get sick of him. But for me, my number one villain, and it's an easy pick for me, is the Major from Helsing. Because <laughs> he loves war. 
He's fucking awesome. He just went on this like tyrant for probably six minutes or maybe even ten. I don't remember, but it was probably the greatest rant I've ever seen an evil villain. And he just talks about how he loves war and how he loves Holocaust and he loves Blitzkrieg's tactic lines and retreats. Yeah. <laughs> he loves every type of war on this land. And I mean, what's more scarier than the major ranting about war? A league of fucking zombie-ass vampires in front of him chanting, Krieg, Krieg, Krieg. Truly, the Major is my favorite villain. And it's just based on pure personality. And there's no, like, shades of gray with this guy. No, not He fucking loves war. And he knows it. He's not afraid to show it. Yeah, he's an evil prick. He doesn't care if the war's hurting him or hurting his opponent. He just loves the bloodlust and the destruction of men and women fighting for their lives on the battlefield. And he truly made Helsing Ultimate the superior out of the two um, animes that there were, because there was obviously Helsing and Helsing Ultimate. Helsing Ultimate is truly one of my favorite animes, and the major made it. And I haven't even finished the series yet, and I love it that much. Yeah, you know, the little bit you've shown me, now I'm hooked. And it's one, of, and also it's one of those rare animes where um, the actual English dub is superior to the Japanese. Yeah, I'd actually agree with that. And as somebody that actually speaks Japanese, that's a rarity for me to agree with. But what I found they've very, just done a better job. What I found interesting is, though, they made the Japanese people speak Japanese. Yeah. So it was kind of cool. It's a very interesting anime, and we're probably going to touch on it in a later episode. Yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of things we want to talk about. Death Note, Helsing. Elfin Lee. Uh, yeah, there's a shit ton. So what makes your final villain on your list? Like I said, again, not in a particular order uh, because I found that too difficult. But uh, another blast from my uh, teenage dumb, which would be Shishio from Roroni Kenshin. There was nothing all that extravagant about him. I just found his temper and his death to be really interesting. The fact that he was burned from head to toe and could no longer sweat. Um, and in the fi- how the final battle, it wasn't even Kenshin that killed him. It was actually himself from overexerting himself. He wouldn't listen to the woman. She kept telling him, you're going to get yourself killed. And instead of listening to her, he actually stabbed her to get her to shut up and killed her. And uh, yeah, That's how I'm going to be in our relationship. Tell me what to do. I'm going to stab you. But... She just did hit me. <laughs> But uh, it was a little dramatic considering he burst into flames, and that's not really what happens when you die of something like that. But um, the fact that he was so stubborn and just would not listen to anyone and just ended up, it led to his demise, is just ridiculous, but also made me remember him. And that's about it. And that does it for our top five anime villains, and we'll obviously compare them to Monokuma, who is probably the most interesting character in the entire Danganronpa series. Mm -hmm. If you have any thoughts on the anime upcoming, the anime adaption of Danganronpa, the video game, the manga, or if you just want to talk about any anime in general that you find uh, as your favorite or what your top villains were, you can call in at 760-512-7247, Or, of course, click that Skype logo and we'll be happy to have you on and discuss all the anime goodness here on Megapowers Radio. So, hang on, Romper. It's kind of hard to say where do you start on this. It's It's such a wacky, batshit (laughs) anime. Um, And that's a good thing and a bad thing in itself, and we're going to critique it fairly. I mean, as much as I enjoyed this series... It was too fast. It was definitely too fast. 
Um, normally, you say that the ideal episode length is 13 episodes, which is what Rampa was, but even you said that it was too fast. They tried to fit too much content in. in so, yeah, so as far as I am, most anime fans like 25 episodes to 50. I want 13. Yeah. And it's, it's the because, magic number. It's the magic number, like with Elf and Lead, um, the original Helsing. If, if you've got 13 episodes, I've never found a bad anime with that. And this, and of course, this isn't a bad anime. No. I just felt this is actually one of those few series that could have truly done better being 20 episodes. I think yeah. 20, uh, it just had so much content that they tried to fit into one series, yeah. and it ended up leaving you complicated and dumbfounded at times. It's one of those things where you have to stop and talk it out with someone for several hours after it's over and try to figure everything out. And I'm not going to lie, guys, we're going to go through this, and I... There's parts of this anime which I'm going to be a confused on because this entire series was a mindfuck from beginning to end. Um, yeah. uh, and basically to give you a brief, uh, more idea of what it is, uh, we'll start on episode one. The series starts and there's this weird half-black, half-white bear, which we'll later known as Monokuma, sitting in front of a button and what appears to be... He doesn't even appear to be... Um, you can't really see much about him. He's just kind yeah. of wrapped up, and he's in a shirt and pants. Yeah, there's just a plain-looking man, black hair, wearing just a regular shirt, maybe a dress shirt and mm -hmm. pants, and he has a blindfold on. And I think he's gagged, too. He's gagged, yeah. Because Monokuma's into that sort of thing. Yeah, that's Monokuma. And he presses, the button, he presses the button, and the next thing we know, this rocket basically comes engulfs him man. and shoots off up into the sky, comes back down, crashes into the ground. The doors open up on the rocket, and just a bag of bones fall out of what used to be the man, and then we get the opening of the show. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I totally forgot about this part. Yes, we, we really, both of us, completely forgot about it until just a few hours ago when we were Reviewing preparing it. for the show. Uh, we realized that there was more to this man than that got shot into the sky than we thought, which we will go over later in the show. Yeah, it was, like, really confusing, and we totally forgot about it. I thought, thought it was it just was some just... silly part of the opening, but yeah. it turned out to be... Important. A lot more than that. Um, so when the series starts, we have uh, Makoto Naegi. Uh, he's standing outside of what is known as Hope's Peaks Academy. And he's, he steps for It's basically a school for... The best and the brightest. And, he, and, not, and not so much even the best at general, like, everyday... Um, like what, you know how they're people selected look, for having specific traits. Yeah, it's like we, there's gamblers, there's people who are really good bikers. There's, like, everything in there. Yep, there's programmers. It's like you, you've got the ultimate list of, like, different skills, skills in this uh, school. And so he takes a step forward and blackness. Yep, it gets all wavy and he gets dizzy and then just nothing but darkness. So we have Makoto Naegi wake up and he enters the school through these doors and he's greeted, well, I would say greeted, but he's looked on bizarrely by a whole bunch of other students. And I think, how many is there? 15, 16? I think there's 15. 15. Uh, but, Counting himself. Mm-hmm. So we have, all these, uh, we have all these students, and they basically introduce themselves one by one. Uh, it's very video game-esque. So each time one of them is introduced, um, they have their own little background and little charts explaining who they are and things mm -hmm. like that. Like, yeah, that's a good thing to note about this anime. Every part of the game, uh, the uh, series, is treated like a video game. They don't hide the fact that it started as a video game. In fact, they um, encourage its involvement in there, including yeah. even scenes from the video game. Yeah. Um, you'll, the animation style will change 
during moments, and we'll get more into that when we hit the first trial. Yeah. Um, so we're introduced first to, uh, well, Makoto Naegi, who seems just an average plain student, nothing special about they him. They have labeled him as high school level good luck. Basically, he's just lucky to get into this prestigious school. And this, we're not listing him in the, in the order they introduced themselves, but in the order of whatever the hell I remembered him. <laughs> um, and then we have Junko Enoshima. Um, high school level fashion girl or model, if you want to go with. Mm -hmm. And she's pretty much that. She just seems a preppy airhead type of girl. Mm -hmm. There's not much to her other than that. And I don't know how you pronounce it. Kyoko Kirigiri. Kirigiri. Mm -hmm. um, she's high school level, question mark, question mark, question mark. Yep, she's and very mysterious, and that's how she stays for most of the show. Mm -hmm. And high school level absolute prick. I mean, uh, high school uh, level here. Uh, air. Air. High school level air. We have Byakuya Togami. Togami, sorry. And um, he's a very interesting character, but he's, uh, he's made for the most part. He's just a stuck-up dickbag. But he actually does have very interesting points compared to some of the other characters. And this, uh, <laughs> the next character, I can't pronounce her. Would you his, like me to? Yeah. Uh, Chihiro Fujisaki. Yeah, and um, that's high school level programmer. For the most part, it just seems like a little girl that's really timid and scared. And mm -hmm. We'll get more into her in a little bit. Her. her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Celestia Lundenberg, is it? Ludenberg. Ludenberg, I don't know, pronounce all of these names are a little complicated. But yeah, which is good. I mean, I actually, I'm glad they didn't give them fucking everyone. common names. Yeah, these are these are more these are actually more common like real names. Yeah, rather than, than just bullshit anime names. Mm -hmm. you know? And that's high school level gambler. Though you don't see many traits of that until in the anime. Yeah, anyway. you see, I heard you see than, it more in the game. Other than a trials, I suppose you don't really see her gamble at all. Yeah. Um, Aoi Asahina. And that is high school level swimmer, and she's just that. She's a hyperactive little girl that likes to swim. Mm -hmm. There isn't much more to her. She uh, becomes close friends with one other student, which we'll mention in a little bit. But uh, um, and this and this Tuko Fukawa, I think. Toko. Toko. Mm -hmm. Fu uh, Fukawa. Toko Fukawa. And she's high school level literary girl. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means, but I suppose it's a better than this bitch likes books. Yeah. <laughs> and she basically hates social interaction and is very stuck her own ass, a lot like uh, Byaki Yatogami to a degree. Yeah. Um, she's a little off, and you'll find out why in a little bit. But so Celestia, though, she's uh, very, she's more, she's nice and she's social, dark. but she's, at the same time, she'll like come out with some of the most bizarre shit, like, she she says it in such a nice manner, but it's like. You're saying some mean things. It's yeah, very it's like, dark and wow. scary. Yeah. Did you just say that? I'm not yeah. mad because she smiled at me, but she said that. Yeah, but no, I mean, the the Toka Toko, she's she's off like as in you think there might be something wrong with her. And there is. <laughs> and next is uh, Kiyotaka Ishimaru, and that is high school level hall monitor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and by the way, guys, this, these are actually super high school level according to the anime. Just yeah. I'm not saying super every fucking time I'm talking about one of these guys, and. He is just very much that. He um, obeys the rules and pretty much makes sure everyone else is and doesn't like being tardy or... He's just he's just kind of the teacher's pet, I guess, yeah. but really stern and stuck up. And it's funny because me and John are actually found this anime through an abridged series. If you don't know what an abridged series is, it's um, basically a parody. Yeah. Like Team 4 stars Dragon Ball Z mm -hmm. and um, uh, Full Arrow's Normal Metal Alchemist. In fact, Full Arrow made this. 
So every time we see this guy, we're like... Um, that is not welcome in a school environment. Yeah, they did a really good job of uh, making all these characters very comical. If you get a chance, even if you don't seem interested in this anime, check out the parody because it's... It's funny. It's, wor- it's well worth a watch on its own. And um, Next is Sayaka Maidono. Uh, and she's high school level idol. And I guess she's, she's just that. She's a singer and a dancer. And, and people love her. Yep, there's not much more to her than that. <laughs> yeah, just the guys want to fuck her. And the well, you find out that to... she went to middle school with Nayagi. Uh, yeah, so they have a brief knowledge of each other. They're the only people that seem to know each other from the past. At least the in the anime. I mean, yeah. I think she knows Leon from who we'll get into in a moment. Yeah, in the but, manga, that's, but that's more of a... Yeah, but as far but we're strictly talking the animation adaption since I don't have it the time. way too long to... I don't anyway. have the time to read the manga yet. I will eventually, and maybe I'll come back to it. Um, next is Sakura Ugami, who is high school level fighter. Mm-hmm. And when we saw her, we thought she was a guy. Like yep. she's made to look she's like so a str- muscular. She's made to look like a street fighter character. Then, then you then notice we- she's wearing a female. Mm. Yeah. Then you're like, <laughs> you're like, is that dude wearing a fucking dress and a schoolgirl outfit? Shit, she is. Oh, her name's Sakura. Okay. Yeah, okay, these are making sense now. <laughs> and she even sounds like a dude, so. It's very misleading, and that's not the only gender misleading uh, character in this whole series. So, no. um, next we have Mondo. Is it Ueda? Mondo Owada. Owada, mm. and that is high school level gang leader. And yeah, he's just a fucking fuck. He's a stu- biker. He's a fuck with stupid hair. Yeah, he rem- his hairstyle reminds me of Kuwabara from Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah, and um, the guy from fucking Yu-Gi-Oh! And who they always take the piss out of... Um, I forgot what the... When he always announces, my hair. Yeah. Um, Next is Leon, Leon Kuwata. And he, as we mentioned uh, in the manga, he has a relationship with Maizano, but not from so much. From beforehand. Basically, he's a super high school level baseball player. Yeah. But apparently, in this isn't mentioned in the anime adaption, but either in the manga or the game, Video game. He's, it's revealed that he is kind of lazy with his baseball playing and that he doesn't actually like it that much. And even though he's been, very talented. Yeah, even though he's very talented at he's contemplated switching to super high school level um what was it, artist or... Musician. Musician, super high school level musician, and him and Maizuno got along because of that, because they were both musicians. Uh, The next is uh, Yasuhiro Hagakure, is it? Hagakure. And uh, he's high school level fortune teller, and... He he, has a 30% accuracy rate. It's fucking more right than most people, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's that's true, that's true. And... I think the last character is Hifumu Yamada, and he's high school level doujin writer. Yeah. Or fanzine, or what are those things called? One place calls it a doujin author, the other calls it fanzine artist. Translation, he draws hentai. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, he's a fat pervert that likes video games and porn. So, he's pretty much 90% of people on the internet. He's pretty much all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And with that... That concludes the character list so far. mm -hmm. And from there, Monokuma finally introduces himself and the rules of the school. He basically says, all of you guys are trapped in the school... There's no way out, and there isn't. Um, and he's basically saying, you want to escape here? Okay, you got to do one thing. you got to kill another student and, and get, get away, away with it. it. Um, and to make sure that they have an incentive to get out of here, mm-hmm. he takes them all to like a library media room type place and gives them all their own disc. They watch it, and they reveal to see their family, their loved ones, all basically dead. 
or dying or in some gruesome fashion. Mm-hmm. So with that, we have uh, Mizuno freaking out and... I think that's actually episode two, but... No, we're just doing... Well... No, yeah. no, it's at the end. Oh, okay. It's right at the end of this episode one. Uh, he, after he shows them all the footage, uh, he, Mizuno freaks out and Nagi promises that they're going to get out of here and they're going to escape. And with that, that ends episode one. And from there, we're going to be talking about the trials. Yes. Because there is a lot of death in this anime. Yes, there is. And basically, the way they do this... Um, well, to be fair, I suppose I should just we explain should the first the death because first. he brings in... Then he actually tells you about the deaths. Yes. Mizuno um, being terrified that someone's going to kill her uh, because... We have to do Junko first. Junko? I believe so. Did she die already? Junko's episode two. I guess she did die. Huh. And that's but it's a little difficult to keep track of all the deaths in this anime because it happens so often and in so many different ways. So it can be difficult to keep track of things. Um, but yeah, I'm just briefly taking a look through just to confirm when she actually died. But Junko, as we mentioned, the uh, model in the show, she ends up standing up to Monokuma saying, we're not going to take this shit. Yep, and he says, oh, you want to fight? Come at me. And he had warned them the day before, if you try to hurt me in any way, I will do something horrible to you. They'll probably result in your death. So basically she's like, okay, I'll come at you if that's what you want. And she stomps on him a little, but not even that much. And next thing she knows, she's impaled. Yep, tons of spears come out of the floor, and she's impaled in several different areas. So if the incentive to kill each other wasn't enough with the videos, now Junko is dead. Yes. So, so they can see it. The tone. So he's fucking serious. So the tone of the anime is already being set from the get go. So later on, they've all had their first night in the house or the school, and Mizuno's terrified that someone's trying to kill her, hearing her door handle rattle. So she goes to Nayagi, who's uh, promising to take care of her, and says, hey, could you swap rooms with me? Yeah. So they swap rooms, and she invites, um, well, then the next night they all come downstairs uh, to the cafeteria, and the only person that's missing is Mizuno. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nayagi knows that she swapped rooms and runs upstairs to his old room, opens the door, and finds the room absolutely torn up with uh, holes in the wall, scratches everywhere, and the uh, bathroom door absolutely smashed on the handle, opens it to find uh, Mizuno with blood up the wall, was looking like some numbers at the time. Yeah, the numbers they spelt out 11037. And so, yeah, she was splattered up against the wall looking in one total mess. And And for some reason, blood is pink in this anime. Yeah, why the fuck is pink like blood pink in this anime? They don't go over that. I think it's just for shits and giggles. But, um... Yeah, this anime doesn't take itself too serious for all definite. Mm-hmm. And so my so um, high school uh, super high school level hope or high school level screams like a bitch faints and screams like a bitch. <laughs> That's again from that parody that we watched earlier. And upon waking up, everyone finds out that Mizuno's dead and. They they realize that she died in Nagi's room, which automatically makes them very suspicious uh, of him. And this is when um, Monokuma reveals that there will be a trial. Mm-hmm, saying, okay, as I said, one of you guys have to kill each other. But you got to get away with it. you got to get away with it now. Yeah. So he was a bit of a dick. Yeah. Um, and as it's revealed, as, um, so basically it gives them an investigation period before the trial. Mm-hmm. So they investigate this first murder. And um, 
they find a murder weapon, which is the knife. And uh, also a bunch of, um, there were sword marks everywhere. Nagy had a golden sword propped up in his room, and mm-hmm. uh, the perpetrator also used that. Um, so after a while of investigating, they finally go to trial, and obviously everyone's blaming Nagy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I remember right, the reason they find out that it's not him is because what's revealed early on in the anime with well, all the rooms is that all the girls' doors have locks on. And the boys do not. But, but however... Na- Nagi's room is fucked, like his door on his bathroom. Monokuma comes in to explain to him that his door, bathroom door has to be opened a certain way, otherwise it, it feels like it's locked, even though it isn't. It just has to be, you know, it's one of those jiggle to the left, jiggle to the right. And push lift the door and, a little. Yeah, yeah. So his door is a little different. But uh, basically, first, we should probably explain the class trials. Um, well, there isn't too much to it other than... They come into a room. There's 16 spots for them to all stand around in a circle. They ask... The the, uh, Celestia notices that there's um, a chair missing or a spot, a student missing, because there's 16 spots, only 15 students. Monokuma then tells her not to read too far into it, and that just means that, you know, the room can hold up to 16 people. And you're automatically a little suspicious of that. But basically, they all have to debate who do they think killed this person. And then basically, if they vote for the right person, that person gets executed. If they vote for the wrong person, they all get executed except for the winner, except for the killer. Mm -hmm. That's how they get away with it. That's how they get away with it. And that person's free to leave. So the reason they find that Nayagi isn't the guilty one is due to him, uh, basically someone who... Someone forced entry on his uh, bathroom door. Mm-hmm. Well, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't Nagi need to? Yeah, he wouldn't need to. So uh, obviously, he knows that his bathroom door isn't locked. But yep. obviously, the perpetrator thought it was locked. Mm-hmm. Now, at the same time, they should know that all male rooms don't have locks on. Um, they didn't actually think it was a male room. They thought it was a woman's room because the nameplates m- had been switched. Maybe we should do this in order. We're going a little out of order. Well, you take it then. All right. Um, basically, first they're going to discuss the murder weapon, which was actually a knife that looked like it had been pulled from the kitchen. And Sakura and uh, Asahina were in the kitchen that night. They said the only person to actually come into the kitchen that night while they were having tea happened to be Maizuno herself. And Nagi insisted that the knife was probably for self-defense, at which point uh, somebody accused Sakura and Asahina of being partners in crime, at which point you learn from Monokuma that even if two people pull off the murder, only the person to do the killing will get away with it. The other will be killed. You hear a ringing in your headset? No. Okay, that's good. But um, only the person to kill them will get away with it, not the person that helped. So there's really no reason to team up with anybody in this anime. So that's a rather important point to go over. Um, basically, Nagi insists that the kitchen knife must be for self-defense, and then that's when the bathroom door is brought up. That's when, after everybody's accusing Nagi of doing these horrible things, they mention, well, why would I break my, the, own, the handle on my bathroom door when I know it has no lock? And Monokuma confirmed all this stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. And so... When they find out that the name plates were switched, um, didn't they find a note? Yeah, they thought, the the perpetrator obviously thought that this was Maizono's room. Kirigiri had found a note at the scene, and it was saying, there's something I need to discuss with you. Please come to my room. Also, to find the correct room, please check the name plates. Which, and it was signed um, 
by Mizono's name, it had her handwriting, which means Mizono is probably the one that switched those nameplates. Mm-hmm. So it's in her handwriting. Kitty Giddy explains that she must have done it in order to lure this person to the room to kill them. And Togami then states that perhaps Mizono was trying to frame Nayagi for a murder she was planning to commit and that she failed to do it because her target fought back with the golden sword in Nagi's room. Of course, Nagi's freaking out. He He's basically crushing on Mizuno pretty hard, and he's insisting, no, 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 she would never do that to me. But it's becoming more and more obvious that she's done this and that she obviously failed rather hard in this department. And so they have to put all the clues together, and they find... Uh blood on the wall and when they actually flip the numbers around. Well, basically, Leon keeps insisting that Nagi is the like killer. Like, really persisting. He's like, it's yeah. got to be Nagi. It's got to be Nagi, even though if they've yeah. uh, like pretty much singled out, but it's, it's impossible to be Nagi. Then Kitty Giddy points out that there was a dying message written on the wall in her blood, and it said 11037. Then they realized that basically she was on the ground when she wrote it, lying flat on her back, so they were supposed to flip it upside down to see what it said, and it spelled out Leon. Especially when she was moved out the way and stopped blocking it a little too. Yeah. So um, at that point, Leon pretty he's much... freaking ha- out. And he's got no real defense, and he's... He just keeps saying, I, you guys are crazy, you're... He has kept stupid, saying idiot, stupid, idiot stupid. over and over again. Yeah, and to But uh, then there was even more evidence because uh, Kitagiri, she mentions that um, there's a bloody shirt sleeve in the incinerator, and there's a smashed crystal ball next to it, which uh, the fortune teller had been unable to find for quite some time. And basically, Nagi explains that the culprit couldn't get to the incinerator because the gate was in the way, and so the culprit used Yasuhiro's crystal ball to hit the incinerator button. That would be really hard for the average person, but if the person was, say, a baseball player, it would probably be a cakewalk for them. No problem at all. So they threw the bloody shirt in the incinerator and left the garbage room, not knowing that part of the shirt was hanging out. And while the rest of the shirt burned, the bloody sleeve fell to the ground, and the evidence was still there. So the fact that he was able to throw it so distinctly just gave him away. So, yeah, it ended up with him pretty much confessing it, saying, it's not my fault you tried to kill me. She did. She lured him to the room and to attempted kill him and- to kill him, but he attacked her in self-defense. And the end result was that he was trying to escape the room when Monokuma just taunted him before. He took him away for a rather extravagant death. Each death has a name. His was apparently called Million Fungos. I have no idea what that means, but... But basically, he was tied to a post, and it's uh, these scenes are taken from the actual video game. Yeah, yeah. And so the whole animation switches over to the video game scene, and where we see uh, him just basically pelted with hundreds upon thousands of baseballs until he's basically bloodied up and bloodied and broken and that is the first death from a trial in the series yeah and it ends really with Nagi not even blaming Mizuno saying she was forced to do it because she had no other options left she was just scared he was still very upset that she had tried to frame him but Kitagiri tried to comfort him afterwards saying you know she wouldn't have left that message for us if she didn't want us all to die because mm-hmm. if they didn't guess the correct killer they'd all die so, so the end result is that um 
they were all pretty rattled from this whole thing. Yeah, and uh, it's it's like um, he's it obviously shows Nayagi's true colors that he doesn't hold hostility towards, and mm-hmm. he's gonna blame Monokuma, not the people trying to yeah. commit the murders. Cause shit, if you think you're gonna be trapped there forever in a game of uh, battle royale, wouldn't yeah. you want to get out? Yep. Um, so which leads us to the second trial. Um, upon the uh, first trial ending, uh, because it was successful, the second floor is available. And it's explained that every student gets a new floor. Um, every time someone's killed and uh, there's a successful class trial, a new floor of the school is open. It's basically motivation to keep their spirits up because, let's face it, it'd be a very uh, fucked up and twisted if they just had to stay in the same areas constantly. Yeah, you have the there. gym and your bedrooms and the kitchen, and that's it. Um, so... After a go, after a uh, night's sleep, after exploring the second floor, and how do you pronounce the uh, transgender as it's revealed? Oh, that's Chihiro... Uh, Fujisaki. Fujisaki, yeah. Yeah, sh- um, well, sh- uh, Chihiro Fujisaki is found dead in the girls' changing room and crucified with the words, blood bath fever. Um, at this point, um, everyone tries to basically investigate the scene of the crime and... There isn't too much to actually look at. There's a bloody up poster on the wall, yeah. uh, which seems real odd because it's um, it's, the, the, it's a band. Um, it's uh, the bikini poster in the girls' room. Yeah, there's a picture of a really sexy woman bending over in a bikini in the girls' change in the girls' locker room. So that's kind of strange. So that throws off everyone. Um, so for a while, so the uh, anime switches over to uh, Nagi and Biaki Yatogami talking for a while, um, where he sees a uh, through. Uh, Toku, is it Toku? Toko. Toko, I don't fucking know how to pronounce it. Her name is the one that pisses me off more than anything. <laughs> um, he sees her crushing on Biaki Otogami. She's uh, a creeper, man. Yeah, and eventually gets talking to um, Biaki Otogami after Biaki Otogami tells her to piss off. And that she stinks, so she needs to go take a bath. Uh, yeah, which she takes as praise because yeah. she's being noticed. Oh, yeah, she sees it as, did you see that? He cares about me. He cares about my health. He told me to go take a bath and blah, blah, blah. She's obviously a little delusional. But uh, Togami basically shows him some books and says, I know these are true because I have them in my own library. Mm-hmm. The death of... Um, Fujisaki is very similar to the deaths of someone called Genocide. Uh, Genos- is it- there, is a, there is a serial killer, a famous one, called Genocide or Shaw. And, and uh, to, to go back on how she died, she was found bludgeoned in the head with a uh, solid object. Which and then crucified and hung up. tied up with certain wires and stuff. Yes, and basically Genocide or Shaw always crucifies her victims. The only thing that was odd is that she always killed men. Men, always men. And also, scissors were always involved. But not in this no case. No scissors in this case. Um, so, as it happens, they uh, go to, they eventually go to, um, an interesting notice that Sakura mentions that she spilled coffee in the girls' um, changing room. But yet it wasn't there. Um, but eventually uh, they go to the trial and... Let me just uh, remind myself, as I said, this has got so much shit in this anime, like, it's, it's hard to stay on top of everything. Um, so, yeah, during this trial, Togami actually reveals that Genocide... Show is among them. Yes, and it is, in fact, uh, Toko. Yeah, Toko. I'm, go- I'm not going to pronounce it in a Japanese accent. I'm just going to say, say Toko. Toko? Yeah, okay. it's not Tuko, it's Toko. But so it's Toko who turns out to be genocidal so, and she, basically whenever she faints... She sees uh, it, the regular Toko. If she sees blood, she faints uh, right away. 
So when she faints, uh, she kind of brings out genocide. genocide. Show she can also if she sneezes too, isn't it? Uh huh. Yeah, she can. So shows all shows show reveals uh, that yes, it uh, I am who I am, but it wasn't me who killed. Yeah, we I, also learned that uh, genocide or show and Toko have two different sets of memories, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Uh, because she says it was it definitely wasn't me that killed him killed her because uh, I go for men and I always use scissors and blah blah blah. And and uh, basically they're looking at other clu- they're looking at the other clues and they come to the conclusion that the rooms are actually switched around. Yes. Um, well, if you go well afterward, they go into the men's room and there's like a poster of, of a, a boy band of a boy band on there. Why would there be a boy band in the men's room and a bikini girl in the girls' room? And so basically, um, and of course the coffee stain had disappeared, and the general feeling was that the furniture had been swapped around in the room except for the bloody poster. And that means that uh, Chihiro was killed in the male's changing room and not the female's. Now the question is, how the hell did Chihiro get into the male locker room. And just room. so you know, there is a Gatling gun set up outside the locker room if to you're, make sure... If your, um, if your ID card basically says you're the other gender, you get shot at. Yeah, they have their own little um, electronic notebooks, and they use them to access different parts of the uh, school. And it, say you're a girl and you scan your notebook to go into the men's room, you'll get shot to death. So the question is, how did Chihiro get in that room? Um, and basically, what... Um, so they've got they've come to the conclusion that Chihiro was a male. Yes. And uh, Monokuma confirms this because yeah. he's a dick. And, well, because he's Monokuma. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's at this point where they're all confused on well, who the fuck killed her? Because um, obviously Sio only kills males, but yep. didn't know didn't that, know that she, she was a male yet. Yeah. And um, it's not until that uh, is it Ueda. Uh, his pronunciation. I'm taking a look here. You're talking about the, the yes, the gang. The gang member. Okay. The, his name is pronounced as Ueda. No, Uwada. Uwada. So Uwada basically slips up and mentions a color of a tracksuit that Chihiro had in a duffel bag. Mm-hmm. Well, no one had actually seen the inside of this duffel bag since it had gone missing. Um, and the reason the duffel bag was brought up was because uh, Celestia had seen it earlier. Mm-hmm. And briefly mentioned that, uh, hey, she, yeah, I saw her before she died. Um, she was carrying this duffel bag. And I saw her stuffing a jersey, and uh, I didn't see what color it was. So, obviously, he'd done away with it at the scene of the crime, and that led to accusations on his part. And he just confessed on the spot, pretty much. He didn't want to live with the guilt of it all. In fact, when it came to having to be killed, he was very... Accepting of it. Accepting of it. So putting all the facts together, it was set that at night, Chihiro uh, takes a sports bag with a blue tracksuit into the you know, from the storeroom. She gets spotted by Celestia, but quickly continues his journey to the boys' changing room. However, how did? However, he ended up uh, getting bludgeoned in the head by. Well, basically, what happens is. Um... When he was younger, he was constantly made fun of for being so... Well, I was going to get to the motive in a moment. Oh, okay. Yeah, so basically, uh, uh, he bludgeoned her in the head and stringed her up. And I don't know, they never actually went over if he knew about they the genocide. He didn't string her up. Who strung her up, then? Biakuza Togumi. 
Really? Yeah, basically after he found the, he was the first to find the body. Oh, what a dick. And he wanted to see if he could mess with people, and he strung her up and wrote the bloodlust thing on the wall to see if he could get a, that's why he became a culprit for a while, because Nagy thought he would be the culprit, because other than Genocider Show, he was the only one they even knew about Genocider mm. Show. To be so, a copycat. There you go. So that's what I mean. This anime's got so much information. It's that, hard to keep up. Yeah. But, but it's, it's revealed. So basically, he bludgeoned in the head. Uh, Togami strung her up. Yep. And Togami had nothing to do with the murder. She mm-hmm. had been dead long before he killed and her. He ba- and basically, the whole incentive behind these guys killing each other is before all this cur- um, Monokuma basically said, I'm going to reveal all your darkest secrets in 24 hours. If someone doesn't die. And it's, he reveals both of them on the spot. Chi Rose was that she was a girl. Sorry, he she, was. He was she a was, girl. She, she was a guy. <laughs> she was a guy, and that and basically she was like, you know what? If I get found out, so be it. I'm gonna strengthen myself because it turns out the reason to, uh, he was acting as a girl is because everyone called him weak throughout his life, and, and he, he figured, seemed it, it was an easier outlet to just be a girl. Yeah, it's it's easier because stereotypically girls can get away with being weak compared to men. I don't even, I don't think it's necessarily... Transgender thing? It was it's just not wrong a, to be transgendered. It's just that I don't think that's the reason he was personally mm-hmm. doing it. And what happened with... Um, oh, what up? Was basically his... Uh, he ended up killing his brother by mistake in yes. a race. Yeah, he accidentally uh, killed his brother in a race. And, and he's been felt that he was very weak after this. And the fact that... He saw this weak, this person that was meant to be a weakling was so much stronger than him emotionally because she came to him confiding that, like in, in him saying I want strength you know Can I want to be strong me? will you train me will you make me stronger because you're and so strong he ended up just raging and, and beating the shit out of her but at the same time he didn't want to ruin it, his uh, secret so he switched the rooms around and destroyed and it and he also found Chihiro's notebook and destroyed, and destroyed it. it so it wasn't accessible because it had it said that he was a boy in it um, but of course, Monokuma revealed all of this on the spot. Yeah. And both, and basically, he went to his death, which was uh, what did they call it? I can't remember what they called they it. They called it something death cage. I think they called it like something biker death cage. And he basically was rotated on one of those things that you see at the fairs when they're on motorcycles. Repeated. A big round metal yeah. cage that and you drive around in. Basically, went into a big ball of light and he disappeared and died. And didn't he like in a cannon? He got turned into a. A thing of Owada butter. <laughs> and it. then Monokuma was seen in the next episode spreading Owada butter on his toast. It was really messed up. <laughs> and that was it for trial number two. And I think you've got the info on trial number three. Yes, I have trial number three. Let's see. Trial number three would be episode six, I believe. So let's see. Yeah, episode number isn't too important. Yeah, that's true. Um, we have episode six, trial number three. Um, it basically starts with Asahita running out of the public bath, just like screaming and freaking out. Basically, she ins- she's insisting she's seen the ghost of Chihiro in her uh, in the bathroom. Uh, before they can investigate, they're pulled down. Their the new floor is opened up because they've gotten a new death, and that opens up the game room, art room, art supply room, and the science lab. Um, their new motive is that the next person to kill somebody will, and get away with it will get 10 billion N, which is uh, a, a substantial amount of money. Um, then they finally get the chance to go to the public baths and investigate, where they actually find, instead of a ghost, a laptop 
that Chihiro had found and repaired while he was still alive. And it actually, he had, as a programmer, he had installed this character on it called Alter Ego. And it looked just like him. And it was kind of sad because it was asking the new people, where's my master gone and things like that. And they had to break it to this poor little computer program. But his master was, his master was dead and he was like, Oh, I see. I'd feared he wouldn't last long and things like that. But basically, um, out of nowhere, Ishimaru comes up and, it's it's worth saying that in the last episode, Ishimaru, Ishimaru and, and uh, Owada had become extremely close mm-hmm. after a, a fight. They uh, they duked it out. It was kind of like when you see these UFC fighters kick the shit out of each other and then they're all huggy and crap at the end. Yeah, it was basically what happened. And they were calling each other brother and everything and stuff like that. So it was really heartbreaking for him when he died. When he died, he was the only one that downvoted. He insisted that it wasn't Owada. Uh, but luckily, because the majority of them voted for the right person, nobody other than the murderer died. But he was—he had become nothing but a shell of what he had been ever since mm-hmm. Owada got executed. Um, basically, when he sees this alter ego, he goes up to it, and he basically asks it, um, alter ego, if he hates brother. He keeps calling him brother. Do you hate brother? Do you hate me for not stopping him? Things like that. At which point, Alter Ego turns itself into the face of Owada and gives this long speech on bravery and being a man or whatever. And that breathes new life into Ishimaru, and it gives him the strength to go on, and for some reason his hair turns white. Yeah, that whole thing was weird. He like had a white Super Saiyan glow to him. Yeah, it was strange. But after that, he's finally speaking again, and he's no longer this ghost of what he used to be, stuff like that. But... um, also, after that, Alter Ego presents a photo. It has Owada, Chihiro, and Maizano all hanging out together in it. And uh, obviously, they, they don't remember ever taking that photo. Mm-hmm. And so there, one, there were so many things that they contemplated. Are they actually dead? Is there something we're missing here? Did Monokuma create this to throw us off? Things like that. Um, but after that, basically... Um, I cannot pronounce his name. Who do you want? Ishimaru and the uh, Dojin author. Oh, you're on about the Fatso. Uh, yeah, the Dojin author, um, which is um, you're Hifumi. About Hifumi Yamada. Yep. They become, they, both of them are obsessed with this thing. Apparently, Hifumi stayed up all night talking to Alter Ego, and he was happy with it because Alter Ego listened to everything he said and found everything he said interesting, unlike any real girl he's ever talked to. And Ishimaru was obsessed with him because he could transform into his quote-unquote brother. Now, basically, they, had, they got into a big fight over it, insisting Alter Ego was theirs and not the other person's. And Kirigiri had to ban them from the Alter Ego, and she had to teach Alter Ego to scream if really loud if either of them came near her. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, there was that. Um, basically, after a night's sleep, uh, Kirigiri calls everybody to the bath to announce that Alter Ego is missing. And, of course, they're afraid that Monokuma has possibly... Uh, Take found her and gotten rid of her. And just a warning to all of our listeners, uh, we have a very bad storm in the area and our lights keep flickering. So if we do lose you, we will try and connect back, but yeah, it's a shit's little, happening. Yeah, it's, a, it's rather bad over here. But uh, basically, the moment they find out Alter Ego's missing, both Ishimaru and Yamada blame each other because obviously they hate each other's guts. And then the very next morning, of course, Ishimaru and Yamada are both found dead. 
And Celestia is found injured, saying that she was attacked by something called Justice Robo. Yeah, it was just like Groot. Oh, Japan. <laughs> yeah, Japan with your damn mechas. I can't get away from anything. Even if it's a fake mecha, it's a mecha. Yep, it's a mecha. And each body and um, Celestia, too, are found by a hammer that says Justice Hammer number one, two, three, stuff like that. Um, it's turned out not to be really that important number-wise. Yeah, the numbers are not important, but of course they think it is. Mm-hmm. It throws them off. Now, uh, then suddenly, as they're around looking for more people, the bodies disappear. That, of course, freaks them out pretty badly. Uh, after a long time searching, they find the bodies, and they're found in the art supply room. Yamada is actually still alive. He's breathing, but he's just hardly hanging in there. And he's at death's door, and he, he's, he mutters something. And if you hear any scratching, ladies and gentlemen, that is my cat pissed off that we've locked him outside of the room. Yes. Uh, basically, Yamada mutters something about uh, Yasuhiro, just the name Yasuhiro, along with how he then realized that they had all already met before coming to the school. It was very vague, and that was all he said, but it was enough to make us think. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, he passes away, and uh, they actually find um, Yasuhiro in, the, in a closet in the Justice Robo suit. So, of course... Since he had muttered Yasuhiro right before he died, and they find Yasuhiro in the Justice Robo suit, they're assuming Yasuhiro is the murderer. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the end of that well, episode. I want to know is where the fuck did they get this suit? I don't know. Like the materials were it's built. Japan. Yeah, it's Japan. <laughs> I love Japan, but it's Justice Robo, man. It's Justice Robo. But basically, the next episode begins with the class trial. There's nothing else after that. No investigation. Um, of course, Yasuhiro. Hagakure is the main subject. Because that was the last name spoken. Yeah, that was the last name they said. Also, he had been found in the Justice Robo outfit. Um, Also, Celestia insisted that she had found plans for the suit in Yasuhiro's room, like blueprints. Um, But then everyone started to say, you know, this doesn't quite fit. The notes in different handwriting. And yeah, it's like um, they compared it to another thing that. Yeah, he Nagi had found a note that uh, he was given earlier by Yasuhiro, and he's like, you know what? His handwriting, his courtship doesn't. It's not the same. It's not matching up. Also, the there was no way for him to bend and move corpses while wearing that suit, and also it was pointed out that the Justice Robo's outfit latch. Oh, so did you mention that there was a photo taken of Justice Robot and Yamada? I w- yeah, there was a photo of Justice Robo attacking Yamada that um, Celestia had taken before she got uh, attacked. Uh, it was also pointed out that Justice Robo's latch was on the outside, and that there was no way that Yasuhiro would have Basically, been able had to get to have himself been helped into it. Yeah, he wouldn't have been able to get himself in and out of the costume. Therefore, he could not have been in the Justice Robo outfit out of his own free will. Next, they, of course, accused Kitty Giri because she hadn't been there with them at the time. And uh, then she pointed out there was no way for her to move such heavy bodies, especially the uh, Dojin author. He was like three sizes bigger than her. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, and then, of course, then they realized it's possible that Yamada was still alive at the time and moved himself along with the other corpse, that maybe he was the original killer. And they realized Monokumo didn't combine Ishimaru and Yamada's death announcements. He only announced Ishimaru's death because Yamada was never dead. Bing bong. Bong, bing bong. He, every time three or more people find a corpse, he makes an announcement. And it goes bing bong, bing bong. A body has been found, blah, blah, blah. But they assumed that since both bodies were you know, dead at the same time, he only made one announcement. But then Manokuma said, nonsense, I'd never be so lazy. Well, no, he, he, he didn't say... He, she, she said... 
could it have been that the bear was just lazy Celestia did? Yeah. And he's like, I can only tell you this much. I uh, I make an announcement whenever three people find a body. He didn't yep. really go into anything more than that, meaning he only made one announcement, so... That means there was only one death. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they found Yamada the first time, his glasses were covered in blood, and when they found him the second time in the art supply room, the glasses were clean, which means he probably cleaned off his glasses to walk. He was covered in blood, and that was an awful lot of blood for someone that was still able to get up and walk around, so it was very possible that he stole blood from the infirmary. Yeah, there was shown blood to pack, like blood, yeah. blood packets in a fridge. In the yeah, hand. in case they needed it in an emergency. Um... Then it was said that perhaps he teamed up with somebody. And uh, then again, two people can't graduate at once. So it's possible that Yamada was tricked into helping someone. Nagi realizes that Celestia, when they found the first body, said if it continues at this rate, he'll kill us all. Just like he killed the guys, he'll kill all of us. And of course, Nagi points out that they had only found one body at the time, yet somehow Celestia knew that there were two bodies. So just like Uada's death, she was basically got caught out by a slip-up. Yep. He mentioned the blue... Uh, Tracksuit. And she's now mentioned guys as opposed to guy. Yes. Uh, she, of course, denies everything and that said that she must have planned the murder of Ishimaru and then killed Yamada. Celestia apparently told Yamada that Ishimaru had become obsessed with alter ego and that he forced her to steal alter ego under, you know, that he might hurt her if she didn't. Yamada was, of course, angered not only at stealing his precious alter ego, but that Ishimaru would do such a thing to a lady. And so he agrees to kill Ishimaru. Mm -hmm. And uh, the others think that uh, she may have a different name, demanding to see her electric notebook, since obviously the other guy didn't kill him like they thought. So they think maybe this isn't her real name. It's a bit of a weird name. It is a name, weird name, but uh, basically it's revealed that Celestia's real name is Taiko Yasuhiro. So and that's why Yamada, that's why Yamada uttered Yasuhiro before he died, and that's why everyone thought it was the other person. And just so then, everyone, we've just hit an, like the first hour of our show a little over. So if you need that number again, it's seven six zero five one two seven two four seven. Or you can call in via the Skype logo, and we'll talk anything anime with you guys. Yes. Continue. And then uh, she finally admits to being a culprit, saying something along the lines of having enough class to admit it once she's been caught. And she was. She died in a manner like she never... Uh, There's more. Hmm? Um, basically, the, the um, motive. Why oh, she the motive, yes. Yeah, the 10 billion to... yen. She said that she had always had a dream of owning and living in a castle with servants tending to her and everything, and that the 10 billion N would have made her life's dream come true. And so apparently Celestia gives Kirigiri the key to her locker where she had hidden alter ego, and that's when she's dragged off for punishment. And she's uh, she like takes the death very... Um, she's very she seems very peaceful. Mm-hmm. She doesn't kick up a fuss about it, and she smiles throughout the whole thing. Yeah, even weird. they burn her at the stake in front of a castle, basically. Each each execution seems very personal. Mm-hmm. Like you had baseball for the one, you had the biker get the biker cage death, and she burned at the stake in front of the castle she always wanted. Yep, and her execution is... I'm not sure how to pronounce this. Versus, Versailles-style witch burning. Um... Bruce Lee's style witch burning. Huh. I guess she took. She was seemed very peaceful and just dealt with it. It. She just seemed at peace with everything. Kind of like the biker who was just accepting, like I, I need to 
Yeah, but he wasn't smiling during his death. She smiled even while but being burnt at the stake. She smiled even while being burnt at the stake, which seemed very accurate for her character. Yeah, she she was very pleasant throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Even though when she said dot things, she was still pleasant. And is there any more on that, or mm-hmm. should we move on to trial number four? Um, trial number four, and I think this is the last one before the final trial. Yes, I think it is. Um, yes, it is. Okay, and that is basically... Uh, no, no, it isn't. Um, with trial four, which is Sakura, then you got Naegi and what's Sakura. Yes, honey, but... Yeah, but... Well, yeah. there's one more trial, but it's a little different than the mm-hmm. other trial. So, this is the third last of the normal trials that we're used to, and that is Sakura, who's... Uh, we have a scene where Naegi catches uh, Monokuma and Sakura talking. We should mention that at the end of the last episode, he was knocked unconscious. Was he? I think he was. Did we? Did you write down anywhere that uh, Kirigiri told him there was a secret room in the boys' bathroom? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there was a secret room in the boys' bathroom. And he was just knocked unconscious and like sore. As he issue. found he found a note in there that said, "We must never leave this place." And then, boom, when he came to his senses and he woke up, he walked down the hall to see what you were mm-hmm. about to describe. And that was that Sakura and Monokuma were discussing that, yeah, I'm basically revealing that Sakura is working for Monokuma. Yeah. Um, because her family's being held captive. Her dojo. A dojo, and because a Street Fighter character has to have a dojo. Yeah. And basically, people no longer trusted her, treated her like shit, other than Ayo Asahina. Asahina, who had become very close with her. Um, so with that, um, they treated her like shit, too. Yeah, a lot of people. Which enraged Sakura. One person even hurt Asahina, and at that point, Sakura looked like she was going to beat the crap out of someone because they had hurt her closest friend. And you don't want to fuck with Sakura. No, you don't. She's and, huge. She's on roids. Yeah. So, so basically, she... Um, she wanted to deal with the issues that Asahina was having and requested that several people came to the uh, a particular room. So she and could, speak with her. She just wanted uh, to talk to them. Uh, the three people that she wanted to speak to were um, Yasuhiro Hag- Hagakura, isn't it? Hagakure. And uh, Toka, um, Genocide or so. Genocide or show or Toko. Whatever you want to call it. We'll, we'll call her Shotoko. Shotoko. Um, and Biaki Togami. Mm-hmm. So, being scared the crap out of Sakura because Sakura is a huge monster ogre type person. That shouldn't really be discussed until the trial, don't you think? Basically, how they found her should be first. No, that's true, yeah. She's found basically inside a room. You have Asahina come running to the others screaming, saying she had locked, she had been locked in a room and that she had ju- was just sitting there not responding. And the door's blocked by a chair on the inside. Yes. And when they finally get it open by breaking the window and basically yeah. grasping the door from the other side, they open it up and look at her and she's basically not responding inside this chair. She's just sitting there. She's dead. So they finally go to trial. Yeah, bing it. bong, yeah. bing bong. <laughs> so they finally go to trial after the bing bong. And <laughs> it's, they all basically gather around and the three people that was meant to visit her are obviously your main culprits. Yeah. You, of course, have a Yasuhiro um, Hagakure, and Hagakure. he basically says, yeah, I hit her, because she has two, when they found her dead, they found three blows to her head. Yeah. Uh, no, two blows two to her blows head. Two blows to the head. And Hagakure was like, Hagakure, uh, basically said, yeah, I hit her over the head with a glass bottle, she scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, but that didn't kill her. Yeah. 
And Next was genocide or show. The reason they knew that didn't kill her is because genocide or show will not lie. She doesn't give a shit if you catch her or not. No, she really doesn't. She's just like, she's like, yeah, I hit her over the head. It wasn't genocide or that hit her though it was um, yes it was i thought it was toko no to uh, toko fainted oh yeah toko he... came in saw that um the blood that she was bleeding fainted. and then fainted in which point genocide or show came the genocide show wasn't expecting sakura to stand up covered in blood so she cracked sakura over the head yeah again. now the reason they know it wasn't her that killed her is because she was found in a different spot and yeah. obviously show doesn't give a shit if she nailed her over the head or not yeah and uh, Sho's like, I didn't move her there. Yeah, she's like, I don't care if you kill me or not anyway, so whatever. Yeah, and she's like, I only kill sexy stud muffins, basically, like, Byaku or Togami. Yeah, she's like, so, uh, Togami just stone faces it like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> he just doesn't seem to give a crap. And Togami never even turned up. No, Togami never showed up. Because he's not an idiot. Yep. Because every time that someone says, meet me here, they die. Yeah. <laughs> you think it's one of them would get that? You would or, think. Uh, one of them finally did. Togami. Yeah, so Byaki Togami, who is pretty confident throughout this whole thing, ends up finding a piece of evidence, a, um, pr- a bottle of poison that was taken, mm-hmm. but it's not full of poison. It's full of protein powder. Well, yeah, he tries to convince them of this by instead just showing them, he sticks his finger in it and eats it. Yeah, and they're and like, everyone's freaking out, like, "What are you doing?" He's it's, like, it, and "It's then, protein powder." Yeah, it's protein powder the whole time. And then, of course, one of them points out, "What if there's still residue of that poison in there?" He's like. I'll deal with it when it comes to it. Idiot. You moron. So that's what happens with that. And uh, from there, Asahina's like, okay, yeah, I confess. It was me. I poisoned her. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you couldn't have poisoned her. You're full of shit. It was yeah. a locked room. You love her, you know? And it was a locked room. They're like, oh, well, for a while they believed her. But then they're like, okay, how'd you how'd you do it, the locked room? How'd you lock the room and then get out? Yeah, and she couldn't deny an answer for that. And they figured out that... Um, basically, she was trying to cover her suicide. Yeah, basically, she told everyone, I went to go get her a protein drink because she drank a lot of those. And poison. And then poison I put poison in it. But that's uh, not what happened. And she confesses, I wanted you all to, I wanted us all to be killed for making Sakura miserable enough to commit suicide. Yeah, I was going to take you all down with me. And because obviously, if you get the, if you get the cause of death wrong, Everybody but everyone. the killer dies. And obviously, Sakura was the killer, so yeah. everyone would die. Yeah. So they find out that it's her, and to rub salt into the wounds, Monokuma makes sure someone dies. And well, and to eat. make it worse, he puts he put he planted the wrong suicide note on her. Oh yeah, he also planted. What did he plant on he her? He planted a suicide note saying that she was miserable and that everyone hated her and that everyone would basically be better off if she would just kill herself. And that's what made herself. Asahina almost take everyone down. That's why Asahina wanted to get everyone to think she was the killer so they would all be executed. When in reality, Manokuma then read the whole the real suicide note to them and she said that it was that her killing herself was the best way to end the conflict and for them to all get along and for them the best chance for them to get out of there alive. So basically and she killed herself so they would all live. So to rub salt into the wounds, uh Manokuma Yeah, he's like, Oh, it's punishment time and they're like, What do you mean it's punishment time? Nobody killed they anyone. They have alter he has alter ego and bulldozes the shit out of her. Yep. There goes Alter Ego. A good thing to mention is they actually found an Ethernet port to uh, attach Alter Ego up to so she could connect she to, was the trying net- to hack into the network. Yeah, so she wanted to help them escape. So um, she, saw them she requested friend. this just before Sakura's death. So they just got to remember off screen that Alter Ego is fucking with Monokuma and finally got caught. Yeah. 
Um, but I think she did some very important things while hooked to that Ethernet port, mm-hmm. which we'll get into. And later that night, um, Nagi actually distracts Monokuma. Yeah. In the, in the hallway at this point, uh, Kirigiri, because uh, they've all got closer together after this whole trial. Yep. Um, yeah, after basically Kirigiri finds um, a master key and finds out that there is a 16th student, but that whole extra seat thing was bullshit. Yep, there really is a 16th student. And it was Makuro Ikusaba. Yep. And high, super high school level despair. Mm-hmm. She was based, She's basically a military student. Mm-hmm. And she basically goes, yeah, there's this student and this bitch is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And of course, with the next successful trial, we had another whole area of the school unlocked. Yeah. And um, this is where we have a classroom that was absolutely destroyed and covered it in covered a masses of blood. blood. Like, not just a bit of blood, like everywhere. Just so. the walls, it looks like thought you gave a pocket of blood to a kindergartner and a, told them to have fun. A huge indoor botanical garden. Mm. And um, it's revealed through conversation that uh, Kirigiri actually has amnesia, as she discusses yeah, she with the finally, idea of Togami. Yep, because she was missing for a while, and they wanted an alibi, and he's like, no, he wanted to know more about her. Yeah. And she, he didn't, Byakuya Togami didn't believe Kirigiri, who's got amnesia. Mm-hmm. And she says, okay, I want your room key. I don't trust you. She's yep. like, okay, whatever. He didn't expect her. He's like, you can either tell me the truth or give me your room key. She's like, okay, give him the room key. He's, he's like, like, motherfucker. He's like, you bitch, basically. Because <laughs> yeah. he's like, I wasn't expecting you to hand over your key like that. Um, and they also find a huge uh, survival knife. Where did they find this knife? I I believe, oh, Genocider Show found the survival knife. And they're like, and show the, with a knife. Yeah. We're not letting show carry So they give it to Anagi because he's He's pretty in bitch. the middle. He's in the middle. He's he's not going to pick sides. So they give it to Nayagi. Mm-hmm. And at some point, Nagi actually gets sick and falls down. He they, comes down with a fever from staying up all night, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. And correct. we get a weird scene where a mass figure is hovering over his bed with a knife. Yes. He passes out again, wakes up again. And Kirigiri is standing over him, and she's but saying he's still, something. So he's still in a daze where he can't hear any of her words. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's basically... Whoop, 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 whoop. Yep. And we had Mew Mew give us her, our cat give us a shout out there if you could Hi, hear Mew it through Mew. the door. Yeah. With his paw sticking under the door because he's a dickhead. Apparently it's the end of the world because we're in a room and he isn't. Yep. And where the fuck was I? Basically uh, the uh, Kirigiri... He also gets a dream of how where he has to stay in Hope's Peak. Like, yeah. Like he, everything's telling him he should stay in the school. Yeah. And... Um, so, yeah, he's attacked with a knife, wakes and sees Kirigiri. The knife's now missing the next day. Yep. And they come downstairs into the gym and find a bunch of students hovering over a uh, a dissembled Monokuma. Yep, disassembled. Monokuma's just not working. There's no reason for it, no rhyme or reason. He's just busted up there. Yep. They find a bomb inside him, though. Yes. <laughs> but Toga- Togami lets them uh, believe that it's still active, even though he, he disactivated it a while ago, and he was letting everybody freak out over it. Because he's a douche. He, that's Togami. Um, so they eventually Togami, find a corpse sorry. upstairs in the botanical garden, and Kirigiri's the only one not there, so they assume it's they her. They assume it's her, Because yeah. it's covered in, like, a shroud. Yeah. And they go it's to... wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah, the they same take mask it, of the figure that tried to kill... 
Nihoking. And as that happens, when they go to unmask it, the bomb, a bomb goes off. Yep, and the whole body catches fire. So no one can see what was on the body. Yeah, no one knows who The only thing was. they know is it's got a whole bunch of stab wounds in it. Yep. Um, so they think it's Kirigiri, and obviously Mon- uh, Monokuma returns. Um, I am. I haven't skipped ahead, right? No, I think you're okay. So yeah, Monokuma returns to just announce that... Uh, oh, well, first they find the uh, media room. Yeah, they do, because Monokuma is disabled right now. Monokuma returns when they find the data processing room, and is yep. like, hey, guys, you're on TV. Yep. So this is the birth first big twist, and uh, everyone in around the world is watching you, and they're not going to come save you. So, and also, Kirigiri is alive, and we're going to have a trial for the dead body, which is revealed by Kirigiri that it is Makuro Ikusaba. High school level despair. Because it's the only person that it can be. The 16th student. Um, and the only person that doesn't have an alibi, really, is Nagi. Nagi, yeah. Um, and she's very interesting. And Kirigiri. But everyone at first thinks it's Kirigiri. And yeah, the body's found with multiple stab wounds, and what happens is Byaki Togami finds a key in her room because she gave him his key earlier. Mm-hmm. With, uh, which leads to a locker full of arrows yep. in the archery. And she's like, yeah, that could have been me if I had the key. That's right, because Byakugo Togami took the key from her. But, now, what, but what people don't know is she's got a master key. Yep, she found a master key so as in, we mentioned earlier, in Monokuma's uh, office, and the only person that knows that is Nagi. But he's not going to rat her out. He's choosing to trust her. Instead, she ends up saying it's that Nagi. That it Nagi. She points the finger at him and in her. order to get him killed. And she uh, says, if I'm... She says in a little inner monologue, if I'm killed, the secrets of the school will never get out. Um, and Monokuma stops the troll abruptly before they get to the de- before Nagi even gets to defend himself. Or... Yeah, there's it's not like the other trials. Yeah, he's a, he's acting real weird. Yeah. Like, you know what? No, this is over. Boat and everyone boats Nagi. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Nagi didn't kill her. Nagi did not kill her. Yeah, no yes. one died. No, but they Monokuma decided to kill Nagi. And let everyone else live, even though Nagi was not the killer, which is against the rules. And now his death was he was on a conveyor belt. He was on a conveyor belt, sitting at a classroom desk, heading back toward a, a crush area platform. that just kept going boom, boom. And just before it happens, you see the face of Alter Ego show up. And, and like, suddenly, the floor collapses below him, and he gets he, thrown into a dumpster of all things. Oh, uh, yeah, he falls down into the school's basement, which is full of trash. Now, Alter Ego basically planted a virus in the time that she was attached to the Ethernet cable. Basically to save his ass. To save the next person to die, basically. And um, so now Kirigiri goes down to the depths of the school trash area, waters and feeds him and gets him back. Yeah, she brings him food and water because he'd been down there for a while. And she's basically saying, we're getting close, and that's why he just fucked us over and broke his own rules. Um he wanted one of us gone. Um, she says, I've regained some of my memories now. I remember I was super high school level detective. Yeah. And um, my father was the headmaster of the school. And they finally meet with Monokuma and challenge, her, challenge him for one final showdown. And uh, what leads to that is him, uh, Monokuma saying, okay, you want one final showdown? I'll give it to you. But you haven't just got to find out Ikusaba's murderer. You've got to find out all the secrets to this school. Mm-hmm. And that sets us for trial, I guess, number seven. Trial number... I know we no, it's it tri- six. Trial six, I think. But Nagi's was five. 
Yeah. So I guess this is trial. You said Nagis was five, so this is six. Okay, you're right. Yeah. Uh, So trial number six. All rooms were unlocked. Yep, every single room in the school, including the headmaster's office. Uh, Kirigiri goes into there and finds her father's computer and types her own name in, turning out to be the password. Well, no, she gets all types of names, and it didn't work. Oh, and Nagi she assumes puts... her father hates her and doesn't want her, yet he write, Nagi says, what's your first name? And she says, Kyoko, and he types Kyoko in, and it was his password to his computer. So he obviously cared about her a bit more so than she thought. it opens up, and she finds, like, a box. It yeah. opens a door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They go inside and they find a package in there. And, and Nagi's like, you shouldn't open that. No, she said that you're, she told Nagi not to open it, that it would probably have something unpleasant in there. And sure enough, there was a bag Skulls of bones. and, uh, well, human what, remains. We had human, well, it's just the, the bones of, uh, the bones of, um, pro, what's obviously her father. Which, and it becomes more obvious that that rocket at the start in episode one, with yeah. the bones to her father. Yeah. That was her father that Monokuma shot into space. And they find the ID card of the headmaster, like those uh, ones they have. Yeah, the and, electronic Yeah, notebook. and they find a um, te- videotape. Yeah, and video, video card, basically. Yeah, and the video card shows that they're all accepting yeah, to stay in the school forever. They're being interviewed by the, the headmaster. The principal, yeah. Yeah, going, yeah, we'll stay in the school. He's agree. like, do you agree to stay in the school, and are you aware that and, you might have to spend the rest of your life here? And the weird here? thing is, when it gets up to June, June, Junko, it's like, it cuts off, Monokuma... Shows pulls up. the power and fries the fucking thing. Yeah, he's basically asked them, are you aware you could spend the rest of your life here? And they're like, yes, we agree to stay. So they Thanks don't get any information night. on Junko. So uh, we have uh, Nagi looking around the school later, and he's using this uh, headmaster's ID card to open up some lockers. And he opens up uh, some of the students and finds, like, work, like they've been to the school before. Yeah, he opens Including up, uh, Kirigiri's journal. Yeah, he finds the high school level fortune teller's locker, and it actually has his schoolwork and everything in there, as mm-hmm. if he had actually been a student before. And they have never taken any classes at the school, so that's very strange. And then later, he goes down to the morgue where he sees. He finds a passed out. He finds passed out um, Toko, and, along and with of course, she, she transforms to show. And they're like, "Hey, have you noticed that there are only nine bodies, and there should be ten? Yeah. So that adds another clue. And Monokuma decides to give him a special hint, revealing some pictures. And these pictures have everyone but themselves in it, as if they took the photos. Yeah. And it's weird. And at this point, me and Jana were like, okay, are they all still alive somewhere? Or? Yeah, that, that is something that everyone, that we, we did contemplate, but we didn't quite get it. And basically, they show those photos of all of them, and we thought, like, are they fake or are they real? Yeah. And... Because they'd never met before. None of these guys had met before, other than Mizuno and Nagi. But again, you have to remember back to when the Dojin artist died. He said, I remember now. I knew mm-hmm. all of you from before. So the fu- so basically, that is the last one they get. And then he's like, hey, guys, it's trial, trial time. time. Monokuma takes part this time, though. Yeah, he's not just sitting uh-huh. passively. He's part of the trial now. So they come to the conclusion, the pictures uh, based on... the. So Nagi basically comes to the conclusion, these photos are real, guys, even though Yasuhiro's pretty sure that everyone's working for the school against him. Yeah. Because <laughs> the photos are sort of throwing him off. It's like, the video card proves it. Yep, everyone. You can't fake that. No. Um, and they come to the conclusion that all their memories have been altered and forgotten, and Monokuma confirms this. Yep. He says, the, impo- the whys and where's and how's aren't important. But yes, I altered your memories. And points back, and he says, but this isn't the issue on the table, guys. 
Makaro Isu, whatever her name was. Makaro is dead. How did it happen? Mm-hmm. And the lack of the tenth body, uh, basically what happens is they're like, lack of a tenth body, lack of Junko's... Oh, yeah, and, and all those photos that were given to them, Junko's, Junko's face was missing. Like, yeah, they, they, well, they come to this conclusion something. now. They're like, lack of a tenth body, lack of Junko's face and all the photos... They stopped us from seeing the video. And Makaro's Plus the de- stab wounds that are identical to the ones that Junko had when she was killed earlier. Yeah. They'd come to the conclusion uh, that Junko's behind all this. Yeah. Junko's really Monokuma. Yeah. Or controlling Monokuma. The mastermind. Mm-hmm. And she reveals it's true. And she reveals that... Um, she pops up out of a thing of smoke and shows and, up. And she's- yeah, she's like Murakuro and I are twins. Yep. Makuro is the older sister by a little bit, obviously, because uh, they're twins. So. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was saying, um, I had ju- I had um, her pretending to be your friend as me. Yep, I dressed her up like me. She said because what she was before was boring and dreadful. and So she dressed her up as what she considered to be a much better option, which was herself. Mm-hmm. Well, she stood back and watched. And ended up killing her. Yep. As the first death. Betrayed her. To make a to make everybody understand she was serious. Plus, she she knew she could get away with it because that one wasn't expecting it. Yep, exactly. Uh-huh. And you know, you could really see the when you think back on it, you could really see the shock on her face when mm-hmm. she died. She did definitely did not expect to be betrayed by her own sister. And uh, at this point, Monokuma or Junko, I guess, reveals the outside world on video. It's felt it's chaos. Yeah, it's, it's falling every, apart. It's fallen to despair, which. Is what she was trying to create in the school too. It's kind of fucked up. Yeah, it's uh, pretty messed up. And there are, and there's like a bunch of people wearing monokuma masks and stuff. Yeah. And they don't explain it enough. There's yeah, that's like, a gripe I have. Yes, it's like an incident happened. That's Thanks. it. Yeah. Thanks. Never, not never touched on again. And so, and she's like, basically, the memories I stolen from you were two years you spent in this school, and it's a big year ago that this incident happened, and this school became a shelter. I killed the principal and erased uh, the memories and began this game. One thing that uh, they wanted to make sure that she was telling the truth, so they asked Toko to um, bring out Genocide or Show because Genocide Show memories has couldn't. different memories than her. And even though the other Toko's memories were erased, Genociders weren't. And, like, and she's like, I, I can't bring, I don't want to bring her out, and you can't make me. And then of course, Byakuya Togami asks her to, and she's like, Oh yes, of course. And she sneezes and brings it, brings genocide her out, and just enough. Hell of show. She's like, well, Of course, I didn't tell you. I didn't ask. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> sure enough, the world had gone to complete and utter chaos and despair. So it finally comes down. Juno's like Junko. Junko, sorry, I don't like keep saying Juno. Uh, Junko basically says, You've got a choice. You can pick hope. Or you can pick despair. And she said, explains basically that the world is polluted and disgusting out and there. And you're not going to live. That the air is really bad out there. But, I mean, it's survivable, but it's bad out there. And, you know, you're probably safer in here. So. You know, and she explains, you know, if you kill me, um, my body is hooked up to the um, school's respirator. And if you kill me, you're going to have to leave within a few hours because the air won't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And she explained, basically, you can pick hope or despair. And that was when she said, if all of you vote against, vote for hope, I will let, I will execute myself, and you are free to go. If even one of you votes for despair to stay in the school and stay in a safe environment, I will kill, kill Nagi. Nagi. 
in the most horrific, nasty way, I will kill Nyagi. And Nyagi gives a speech of his life. All of them all of them look like they're thinking about uh-huh. voting for despair because it's so much safer in there. Mm-hmm. And they don't know what's out there. Yeah. But Nyegi basically gives the speech of a lifetime saying, "This is this really what you want? Is this really living? Is this really life? Just living trapped in this school like caged animals? This is what we've hated for so long. Yeah. This is what we've been fighting to get away from. And, and Togami recently finds out that his whole family is, is dead. dead. The Togami and, Empire is gone. And he wants to. And basically, everyone's like, you know what? Were you right? And they all vote for hope. Yeah. At this point, he gets super high school level hope. Yeah, it says super high school level, level locker screams like a bitch. And Juno lives up to her part of Junko. the deal. Junko lives up to her part of the deal, even though she said, even though, even, even though they said, her. you don't have to kill yourself. And she's like, why wouldn't I kill myself? It's ultimate despair. She's obviously a little insane. And through the whole time she's explaining these she's things, got multiple personalities. It's, obviously she, it's obvious she has tons of different personalities and that she's a little insane. I wish we just got to know more about her. Yeah, I, I do wish that we could have learned a bit more about her and how she got to this But she point. relishes the opportunity for ultimate despair, and she gets that by... She recreates every, every single death that she puts someone through, from the death of the high school headmaster to the very last death of um, what she attempted to put Nyagi through. And kills herself. Yep. And, and with that, the doors to the school open up. She leaves behind a, a the button to mm. open the doors. And, and they go out there. Yeah, apparently uh, we missed, we didn't know to watch after the credits, mm-hmm. and apparently there is another, there's another type of Monokuma out there saying that he or she is excited to meet everyone, so I'm thinking that probably means there will be a second well, one. Well, there is a second game. Also, you find out that Monokuma is still alive, mm-hmm. even without the control of the mastermind of Junko. So that begs to the question, did Monokuma turn Junko crazy? Is Monokuma a real entity that's alive on its own? Is it controlled by someone else? We don't know. So that leaves us with the entire, basically, with series of Danganronpa. And the question is, are we addicted to Danganronpa? Um, I'm going to, basically, this is my review of what I think about it. The pacing of the show was too quick. I agree. Um, though the storyline and plot elements were very, very interesting. Yes. The characters were great, but I wish I got to know them more. And generally, it was just a very fun alternate story, which I'd never come across before. I really enjoyed the series. I just felt they rushed it. They did. And they needed more. If I got the opportunity to see a second series, I'd definitely watch it again. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I wouldn't go out of my way if I, like... You know what I mean? I wouldn't, yeah. like... If, if it was someone more interesting, I'd go with that first. Yeah. This this series was very enjoyable for the short time I watched it, and it was because it was short. If it kept up this pace, it was longer and was still rushed, I think I'd have a different taste in my mouth about this show. Yeah, it needed to be just a little slower, and but, that's not something you hear us say a lot. So, what? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm an advocate for smaller, shorter shows. Uh, so, what's your thoughts? Honestly, I mostly agree with you. Um, I wish it was longer. And I'm usually on your side with that. I normally go for the shorter things that don't run on for 200, 300 episodes. But you're listening, Bleach. Stop that shit. I actually like Bleach, but it does annoy me how long it is. Uh-huh. But um, I really, I really did enjoy it. The characters were intriguing. Like Steven said, I wish I would have gotten to know them a little better. 
uh, I feel like it was too rushed and that I never got the chance to understand the characters, where they kind of came from or why they were the way they were. Uh, the story was definitely intriguing. I wouldn't really change the plot. I just wish it went a little slower. Um, if I get the chance to watch the second one, I definitely would. I would say that I'd jump on the idea simply because I'm dying to see what else they can do with it. So i got to ask you one question. Are you addicted to Danganronpa or not? That's really hard to say, honestly. I'm kind of in, in the middle on this one. So me saying, I'm definitely not addicted to the series, though I definitely enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it definitely was not a bad show. I would watch it again. It gave me a buzz. That's about it. Yeah, it did give you a buzz. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty accurate. <laughs> so that is our thoughts for Dangon Romper. And I'm going to go to plugs now. I don't think you've got anything to plug, right? No, not plugs. Well, for me, I've always got something to plug. And Giggity. Giggity. Of course, every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, over on Dream Elite Radio, you can catch me on UDMMA, that is Unanimous Decision Mixed Martial Arts, where you can catch all the MMA UFC goodness. And we're going to be talking about the UFC 167 results, a lot of controversy coming out of George St. Pierre versus Johnny Hendricks. Um, shit, you've heard enough of it, too. Yeah. So, you know when Dana White's saying his cash cow stole the victory? This controversy. So that's one thing I'm going to be talking about. Of course, uh, before that, every Monday, you can catch me on the Post Raw Show here on Mega Powers Radio. Um, also, check out uh, Smart Cat Moment over on Smack Talk. Um, basically, just check out anything from Fanboys Anonymous. Check out anything from uh, Mega Powers Radio. We've got a whole bunch of different projects, like I got Gameplay, uh, Keeping Kayfabe, which is on a bit of a hiatus right now. So, as always, if you want to know when the next episode of Addicted to Anime is, all you have to go and do is fed, like us on Facebook. We have the Addicted to Anime page now. Or you can just stay tuned in with Mega Powers outlets. Uh, so from, uh, from me, Stephen, and Jana, we're Addicted to Anime here on Mega Powers Radio.